What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. And now... You are listening live... Smoking Musket Podcast. Bye, Goders. Welcome to another edition of the Smoking Musket Podcast. We are recording in Star City Suncrest? Collins Ferry Road? Let's say Collins Ferry Road. Yeah, technically I mean, Suncrest. That's kind of like the, the defining line between the two, I think. Sort mm-hmm. of, kind of, right? Yeah, of? I think we're technically Suncrest. Technically. 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 Anyway. You are looking like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm David Smith of SmokingMusket.com. You're listening to the Smoking Musket Podcast. I am in Matt Kirchner's living room and his lovely fiance, the Smoking Musket fiance, who we could also just call her the Smoking Fiance. <laughs> is that weird? That's not weird. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's totally weird. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I, it's chilly night here at the Kirchner slash Wit residence. <laughs> And I brought over, of course, it was up to me to bring over cheese and beverages. I asked them what they wanted. They did not give me a choice. They let me make the choice. They did not give me any preferences. So like the 12-year-old I am, I brought over Hawaiian Punch and Sunny D. Even though Sunny D isn't really a great choice for chili, I'm still very happy with my choices. The Hawaiian Punch worked. It did. It was refreshing. I'm, I'm happy about it. Um, Yeah. I'm parched. I'm not parched. My thirst is quenched. I'm not parched at all. Also, I just want to bring out the fact that this is the first time I connected to your router. And what is your router's password? <laughs> My router's password is Tavon Austin. And why? Because our Wi-Fi is fast. <laughs> so, we're the worst. Okay. All right. So sorry about not releasing a podcast last week. Um, we did record one, but life got in the way of just actual real-life work for me. So, yeah. So, let's go over the first two games. Then we will bring on uh, Wes Eberts of Burnt Orange Nation. He's going to talk to us about the just ridiculousness that's going on in Austin whenever it comes to the athletic department. Uh, just head director position, whatever you want to call it. I'm waiting for Kirchner to actually apply. But he is not on the short list at, that I know of. So, and then part three, we're going to go over why I, I... My new thing of this week's big, huge, dumb thing, I'm very happy for this little part, and then we can preview the weekend of Big 12 action whenever we're on a bye. Cool? Cool. Good times? Good times. Also, if anyone, if this ends up getting picked up, we're uh, sitting here sort of slash listening to the... Republican debate, and we've figured out the college football playoff system already. Stay tuned. Yeah, well, you can go ahead. Pitch it. Yeah. Go ahead. Y- you have found the answer. This is the clear answer to any problems that we have in selecting your know, teams three and four, 
team four. If you have four teams sitting there, all jockeying for their spot to get in, you bring in four coaches, you bring in the college football playoff committee, and you let Paul Feinbaum moderate a debate. Boom. What network is this on? ESPN. Longhorn Network. (laughs) No one will see it? (laughs) It'll be great. Feinbaum will actually have to go on Longhorn Network. It'll be fantastic. I'm in. I'm so in. Fund it. Paul! Paul. Okay. All right. So week one, week two, West Virginia destroys Georgia Southern. Everything went A-OK in that game. Um, Because, I mean, we're kind of like – separated from the from that game at that point first off i guess would be the defense played up to par what you would expect from this defense <laughs> actually it might have actually exceeded expectations i think they com- they completely exceeded my expectations you go in there against a weird offense that i mean they were with their backup quarterback who couldn't actually throw or anything useful for sure. quarterback things. <laughs> but they were a weird offense. They score on people. They move the ball against pretty much everybody they've played. Sunbelt opponents, major conference opponents. I mean, they're, they're the second-best running attack in Georgia, which they're the second-best running attack in the nation, but they just happen to be in the same state as Georgia Tech. <laughs> who runs the same offense? Yay! So whenever you're able to do what we did against a team like that, it's a complete victory. You can't take really anything negatively about the defensive performance. Sure. The linebackers played awesome. They were disciplined. They stuck with their assignments. We didn't get murdered like when Colin Klein would just run over us or when they tried to tackle him, he would just pitch it. We stayed with our guys. Secondary played out of their mind. Carl Joseph was some sort of space-time anomaly. But yeah, so I mean, defense did great. Jared Barber ended up coming out of that with a separated shoulder. Dr. Holgo said that he was fine, but he set out the Liberty game just because it's Liberty. And I mean, before we move on to the Liberty game, moving on to the offense, Javon Durant and Sheldon Gibson are better than what we could have hoped for but, I mean, they're, they're fine. They're good, legitimate Big 12 starting wide receivers. And my biggest concern coming into this season was wide receivers because we had so little experience. I thought we were looking something similar to 2013 right in the face with the wide receiver play. But they came right out of the gate. Javon Durant catches a touchdown on his first catch. That's, that's cool, I guess. Perfect route. Yeah. Great catch, great play. Shelton Gibson has 100 yards and a touchdown in that game. And you get really good support in the slots from Jordan Thompson and Dekeo Shorts. Yep. Never anything spectacular, but they're there. Intermediate routes, you know, quick little balls, and they do what they need to do to keep the pressure off your one and two guys in Gibson and Durant. And then you still have a lot of depth behind them now. Gary Jennings is talented. You know, you have... White. White hasn't played a snap. Right, yeah, I've like I was actually going to say, like, neither of those guys really put in any type of quality reps during that first game, and I think they're just trying to get more reps in real time for this combination. I mean, Holgerson keeps on talking about the chemistry when it comes to timing between Durant, Gibson, Skylar Howard, all those guys. And so, I mean, whenever you're trying to work on um, getting a lot of reps, I mean, it's yeah. nothing better like if, game time. So, Yeah, if something's working, you don't mess it up by throwing too many guys in at once. And, you know, if you get out of the season getting to redshirt somebody like White, that's even better. You get another year of eligibility, another year of extra depth. And the biggest thing is we're not losing any of these guys next year. I think we lose Jordan Thompson, right. and that's going to be the only loss of this entire wide receiver core. 
they all get to keep getting better, keep working with each other, and you get them back next year. Sure, yeah. And so the offensive line did fine. Well, rushing did fine. Uh, we were saying before the show, yeah, they aren't putting up stellar numbers, but whenever you're coming against Georgia Southern, who has to face the best rushing attack in the nation every day of practice, doing a mildly okay job at rushing is probably better than you would expect. And so um, offensive line did fine. Rushing is doing just fine. There's still question marks about Skylar Howard's um, accuracy. He continues to either overthrow, underthrow, whatever. He's not throwing picks. Uh, Holgerson said that one of the main things, the reason why, one of the reasons why he ends up winning the quarterback battle was that he takes care of the ball. Um, that's good, but there, it's just it, he, he underthrows like touchdowns. He over he underthrows touchdowns to the point where the like long gains instead of hitting people in stride, and then there's overthrows to the point where he misses an open wide receiver. Uh, it, that's just for week one. He did better mm-hmm. week two. But it's still, they're working on it. Yeah. I mean, you look second half of week one against Georgia Southern through the whole Liberty game. He settled in, played a lot better than he did in that first half against Georgia Southern. But, yeah, it's still a little bit of an issue. He needs to be a little bit more accurate. But he isn't turning the ball over. And when we're forcing turnovers and we're not turning the ball over, it's really simple. You're not going to lose many games when you're doing that. And so, I guess... Moving on to Liberty with West Virginia's defense causing zero turnovers rather than the five they forced against Georgia Southern. I guess this game, just no one cares. It was, like, there was almost nothing you could take out of this game. Everything was lethargic. The crowd, meh. Like the offense, eh. The defense, eh. I mean, yeah, 41-17, I mean, there's nothing. Uh, that's a legitimately controlled win. Mm-hmm. Fine. But, like, uh, uh, uh. It was basically one of those times where you you punch in, play yeah. a game, win. We clocked it. We literally, everybody in that stadium yeah. on Saturday. Clocked in. We clocked out. Nobody got paid. No, we got nothing. That's it. Just <laughs> Dana got paid. Yeah. <laughs> Liberty got paid. Liberty gets their check. Yeah. Everything's fine. Whatever. Clock in. Clock out. 2-0, going to buy healthy. I mean, one of the few things you can actually say about this game is that Nick O'Toole is a pro, and he has some great punts. That's it. That's, That's it. Okay. Fine. Well, one of the big things you actually can take away with in the first two weekends is something that we're going to talk about within the Red Zone offense um, in part three. But I, mean, I, I don't know, man. The Maryland game. It's always the Maryland game. It's always the Maryland f- game. And actually, the Maryland game is going to tell us a lot less this year than it usually does. They're really bad. Because they're bad, and they just subbed out their starting quarterback who was doing terribly. They just lost to Bowling Green at home, and now they're playing USF Yay. in Maryland. Yay, horns. This is going to be terrible. I am not going to watch this game. And there's – okay. Republican presidential debate is going on right now. More people are in this auditorium. I don't even know where it is compared to Bird Stadium on Saturday whenever they play USF. More people might be in this living room right now <laughs> than there will be in Bird Stadium. This is Saturday. including <laughs> in the, all the entire teams, the staffs, everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's people. actually just Randy Edsel and Willie Taggart are going to arm wrestle at the 50-yard line. <laughs> and the, <laughs> there's going to be no refs. They're just going to fill in their scorecards like in golf. 
<laughs> paper football. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's all I got. I, I mean, is there anything else that we really – is that good? I'm sorry that we didn't put out week one one. I mean, that's on me. Work kind of got weird, but yeah. But there's just so little that you can take out of a game, like that Liberty game. Nobody cared. Nobody cared. I mean, the defense – like – They played well. Like, yeah, it's defense- not like they didn't make sloppy mistakes or anything like that. They were just sort of sleepwalking through it because they knew they could sleepwalk and right. win by – Forty-one seventeen. They spent the entire summer hearing about how good Georgia Southern was, and then they dismantled Georgia Southern, and then they have to get up for week two against Liberty. That's, I mean, I think it's just human. I get that it's the coach's job to not let that happen, but if you sleepwalk through and win forty-one seventeen, you're fine. Okay. Nothing's wrong with that. Yeah. You go into a bye week now, and you get to hear about how much you suck for not caring for two weeks. So hopefully you're motivated against Maryland. <laughs> yep. I would much rather be at this point where we slipwalk and won at home rather than slipwalk against Toledo. And now... Burt. 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 Pig suey. <laughs> All right. So I think that's part one. So part two, here in a second, we're going to bring on Westcott well, Everts up. I interviewed him about what's going on in Austin with the Steve Patterson AD firing and who they're going to get. Obviously, it's either going to be you, Bevo, not you, be, new, not you, like <laughs> brackets Bevo, you, comma, Bevo, comma, Mac Brown, comma, or George W. Bush. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. That actually wouldn't be terrible. I think it'd actually be pretty good. Yeah, actually, I would actually be on board with that thing. I mean, he's ran, a, he's ran a sports team before, I sort of. He was an owner. I mean, him and Condi are close. Man, he'd really help the Big 12 thing. <laughs> the playoff, we didn't have to worry about anything. Him and Condi, old friends? I'm on board with this. I'm going to have to write about this. Okay. What kind of transition music should we go into the Wes interview with? Probably, like, the yeah, like something Texas. Eyes of Texas? Yeah, let's go with the yeah. What should we play coming out of the interview? Yeah, Texas. <laughs> <laughs> this is your show. Okay, it's not mine. Well, okay. All right, so stick with us. We're going to have that interview on here in a second. And we'll be right back. Hooray! guys welcome back and right now we have Westcott Eberts of Burnt Orange Nation he is the executive editor over there and he has taken the time on this very busy night to fill us in on what's going on with the Longhorns Wes thank you very much for coming on what the hell is going on Austin right now oh bad things man bad things uh kind of uh, common for what's been happening in Austin recently I can imagine there's been a lot of I don't know just recently a lot of articles saying that Steve Patterson was going to be out as AD for the Texas Longhorns, and now officially, as of Tuesday night, he has officially resigned as the AD. He was a former AD at Arizona State. Uh, he is gone after 22 months. Uh, 
of being the Longhorns AD and making uh, hires between Charlie Strong and Shaka Smart for football and basketball. Can you tell us a little bit about how this all went down and what really went wrong whenever it came to Steve Patterson's regime, I guess? Yeah, what really happened with Steve Patterson is, is that he came in. Um, you, you all West Virginia fans know that all, former athletic director Oliver Luck was a, a major contender for the job. Uh, Luck kind of co- came in and uh, in his interview and, and tried to play things pretty safe. Uh, but Steve Patterson came in, said that he was willing to be the agent of change, uh, laid out a, a bunch of different visions that he had for the future of te- Texas athletics, uh, apparently impressed a lot of people with his intelligence. Uh, but unfortunately, when he got onto the job, uh, one of the most critical tasks that he had was, you know, being able to get along with all the big donors at Texas. Uh, Texas has a lot of big projects coming up. They're going to have to build a new basketball arena. Uh, they're going to renovate the uh, the end zone. They're going to have to build new practice facilities for both football and basketball. So being able to raise money is really important, um, especially now, even more so than than typically. And, and Patterson uh, wasn't able to get along with those donors. Uh, those guys didn't want to give him money. Um, according to a report from Inside Texas, uh, Joe Jamail, a, a mega donor at Texas, actually went to new uh, Texas president Greg Fenviz and, and gave him five million dollars and was like, uh, here's your money. You need to get rid of Steve Patterson uh, like yesterday, pretty much. Uh, so you see the uh, the banner that flew over uh, Daryl K. Royal Memorial Stadium on Saturday that said Patterson must go. And, you know, he alienated a lot of faculty because he, he changed the way that they were able to access tickets. He alienated a lot of uh, Texas season ticket holders because he raised prices and uh, was a little bit disingenuous. And uh, so you get stuff like, uh, you know, former uh, Board of Regents member uh, Tom Hicks saying today that, that that was really Steve Patterson's fatal flaw and that, you know, everything else about the hire went pretty well and that he still thinks uh, Patterson was a good hire in, in every other way. But uh, he just wasn't able to communicate effectively uh, with the people who are ultimately able uh, going to determine his job. And, and so Fenves, when he came in as the new president in June, told Patterson that he needed to change his personal style. And that was what kind of really got all these proceedings started. And, and at that point, even right after he got there, Fenves was tr- uh, tired of hearing uh, from everybody that, that they really didn't like Patterson. And, and Patterson apparently um, wasn't able to change those things, was either un- unable or, or unwilling to do that. And so it kind of reached ahead in, in the last couple of days. And, you know, last night and in this morning, Fenves uh, made the final call to do that. And, uh, you know, it's quote unquote, a, a mutually agreed upon resignation. But um, there's no question that, that Patterson was was absolutely fired. That's that's tough. And like, yeah, leading up to this, I believe it was before the season. I read an article. I cannot exactly remember where it was, but just listing all the things he did during the summer. And I think a week ago, there is a report about how UT was charging bands whenever they hadn't been charged. And then he comes out on Twitter and saying that that's like a normal thing. But it just seemed like it was an uphill battle whenever it came to the PR standpoint, at least from even the outside. I can't even imagine what was going on in Austin. But who who is this interim AD, Mike? Uh, Perrin is a guy that, that wasn't really on, on a lot of people's radars. Uh, I think uh, the Google hits for him uh, really spiked today, but he's a Houston trial attorney. Uh, he's been a lawyer for some time. He was a Texas letter winner. He played defensive end and linebacker uh, from 1966 to 1968 on, on the Texas team. So um, he was also a member of the Texas Cowboys organization, if, if you're familiar with uh, Smokey the Cannon. Texas fires that. Um, after after they scored touchdowns, and he actually bought that at one point when the Cowboys uh, got suspended 
as a campus organization because uh, they had an initiation that that kind of ended up in in a guy drowning and so they're suspended for five years and during that time um Perrin uh, bought the cannon and then ended up leasing it to the Silver Spurs, which is a group that uh, takes care of Bevo and uh, brings him back and forth to games. And, and so he made sure that, um, you know, Smokey the Cannon stayed a, a tradition at Texas. But, you know, really the thing that he's being brought in to do is to be able to have a better relationship uh, with the donors, a better relationship with the faculty, and a better relationship with the Texas season ticket holders. That was uh, something that was made very clear by Fenves. And his statement introducing Perrin and, and in Perrin's statement um, announcing that he's accepted the job. And um, it's actually he, he's probably going to be the interim athletic director for some time. He has a contract uh, for seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. It's going to run through the middle of August next year. And Fenvis said that, um, you know, the timetable is really undetermined right now for finding the next Texas athletics director. I can imagine that. And so right now we have Wes Scott Eberts of Burnt Orange Nation executive editor on the Smoking Musket podcast, and we're just talking to him about the, I don't know, the turmoil going on in Texas right now. Steve Patterson leaving for, uh, uh, I guess, the pastures whenever it comes to the AD position. And so, who is on the list now other than Matthew McConaughey? I mean, I would assume him and Bevo are probably one and two. Yeah, I mean, McConaughey is the, the clear choice. I think if you look at his career trajectory, I mean, who would have thought that five years ago he would be uh, a. <laughs> you know, an, an actual accomplished actor. So this guy's really the limit um, here with McConaughey <laughs> right now. But um, um, in all seriousness, you know, there, there's a number of names that are kind of retreads from the last search, which obviously was uh, less than uh, two years ago now. So guys like Oklahoma Athletic Director Joe Castiglione, um, you know, Tom uh, Urich from uh, Louisville, who's already sources have denied that he's interested uh, TCU Athletic Director Chris Del Conte um, would be a definitely acceptable choice with what he's done there. Uh, he's come out and said that he's happy at TCU. Um, you know, Mac Brown, uh, Mac Brown, a name that was uh, circulated, but um, you know, he said that nobody's talked to him about the job and the fact that uh, he was fired and, and Charlie Strong replaced him. I, I think makes that an untenable situation, other than the fact that. You know, I'm not really sure how well Steve Brown would be for that role. And he, he said that um, when he was a head coach that he wasn't really interested in it, um, having to sit through, a, you know, a bunch of boring meetings and stuff like that. So I, I don't think he's really a legitimate possibility. Um, you know, there's not a lot of candidates that really jump out and, and you know, really say this is a guy. Um, you know, Oliver Luck obviously was a guy that Texas probably should have hired. The, the search firm that they paid $200,000, um, $200,000, um, you know, to handle the search for them, uh, recommended Luck. And, you know, because Patterson interviewed so well, they, they went against that recommendation and made the mistake of hiring Patterson. Um, right now, Luck is working for the NCAA in Indianapolis. So, you know, he's there and can see Andrew play with the Colts um, every Sunday when they're at home. And, you know, he's in a good situation right now. Clearly, with the instability at Texas and, you know, having been, um, you know, not selected in the first place, I think it would definitely be understandable. You know, he doesn't even really want to take a call from uh, Texas at this point. You know, he'd still be kind of the no-brainer hire. Um, another name that I think is kind of interesting is, is Greg Byrne. Um, he's the Arizona athletic director right now. He was hired by Mississippi State when he was 36 years old. So he was the youngest athletic director at that time in, in Division 1A and, uh, you know, now FBS football. Um, you know, he's a name that his last name will be familiar to Texas fans because his father, Bill Byrne, uh, was kind of the butt of a lot of jokes when he was at Texas A&M. He had a, a silly 
uh, weekly posts uh, talking about stuff like how he was getting uh, attacked by swarms of uh, mosquitoes in the swamps of Louisiana, <laughs> going to see a family member's game, and always talking about all the bad poop at, at Kyle Field and, you know, just all this stuff, not being able to uh, actually put in a hyperlink to his post. So we'd have, you know, oh, this is here, and then the post wouldn't have a hyperlink. So, you know, Texas fans like to make fun of him, but, you know, his son is really an up-and-comer. Um, in the industry, he's been able to do some good things at Arizona. He's been able to raise a lot of money, um, a lot of facility improvements there. Made the decision to move to a minor league ballpark in the Tucson area. That's you know really increased uh, revenues for the baseball team. I think uh, by three about three times. Um, that helped them uh, get to a national championship and, and win it in 2012. Uh, so he's done some good things. Um, I think he's a guy that Texas could take a serious look at. And if they really want to find a guy you know, who could be there for, I mean, possibly even longer than DeLos Dodds. And I think he's someone that they have to take a look at. But, you know, with all the upcoming facility um, changes that are going to have to happen, all the construction that's going to need to take place, um, you know, the ability to raise money for that and, and having some experience and getting those type of projects going um, are, are going to be two really key things for the next Texas athletic director. Sure. And that makes sense. And so my final question for you at this point is, I've been reading a lot about how this might be a bad thing for Charlie Strong, but I would disagree considering, from what I understand, that uh, Strong and Patterson didn't exactly see eye to eye on many things, along with pretty much everyone else whenever it came to Patterson. How do you feel that, like, how do you feel this goes for Charlie Strong, like, understanding that you don't really know the relationship between him and Mike Perrin? Yeah, so I, th- I think my major takeaway from this is that. You know, Steve Patterson was invested in, in Charlie Strong to the extent that he was the hire that, that Patterson made when he first came on. Um, I think he might have been unwilling to make a move away from Strong and, and admit defeat in that situation. At the same time, uh, almost every other decision that Steve Patterson made when he was at Texas made him really seem like a pretty soulless suit. So it doesn't really seem like in the end there would have been very much emotional attachment between Patterson and Strong. Um, I'm, I'm not sure how this works at both athletic departments, but you know the reports that were coming out over the last few days really indicate that there wasn't very much interaction between Charlie Strong and, and Steve Patterson, that the associate, associate athletic director there really served as a liaison between Strong and Patterson. Uh, there's a Horns Digest report back in June kind of when all this stuff got started about Patterson being in trouble that said that, you know, Charlie Strong went to see Patterson and asked for more money for his quality control assistance, couldn't get that, um, that he either didn't want the, the Texas, um, you know, academic support staff to be moved across um, into the new nutrition center that they built. And also that um, he wasn't really consulted at all when Texas fired longtime sports information director John Bianco um, about five weeks ago. And that was a move that really didn't go over very well with the national media. Um, Bianco got a lot of support um, from everybody around the country, even, um, you know, if you're familiar, Richard Deitch, who works for uh, Sports Illustrated. And mm-hmm. you know, he kind of talks about all that type of media stuff that's going uh, uh, going on all around the country. And uh, even today, there are calls to, to bring Bianco back. And, and so I think that was a situation where, you know, Patterson didn't consult Strong. And, and Bianco was a guy who became pretty close to Strong over about his uh, year, first year and a half at Texas. And, and so I think you really see that the disconnect between Steve Patterson and Charlie Strong. And I think the bottom line with Charlie Strong is that if he doesn't win, the pressure is really going to be on him. You see that starting to happen after the Notre Dame game. Um, I think the fact that he had to admit defeat with Sean Watson 
and uh, fire him as a play caller after only one game into the season, after investing a whole offseason into what Watson was uh, trying to do with the Texas offense. You know, all of that stuff increased the pressure on Strong, uh, much more so than, than losing Patterson does. And and so, you know, he, he may not quite have the security that he did before, but, um, you know, he, he's going to have to win, and he's going to have to do it fairly soon before that steep uh, starts getting pretty hot. And, and that was really, um, you know, the case uh, yesterday and, and a week ago and, um, you know, four weeks before that. So that's what it's all about for Charlie Strong. If he can win games, then he's going to be all right. If not, uh, he's going to be out regardless of who the athletic director is. Sure, that absolutely makes sense. And I can only assume that Shaka Smart is just kind of hanging out, just <laughs> not yeah, doing much. Smart should be good, and I, I think he's a better <laughs> position for success uh, than Charlie Strong was when he got to Texas and, you know, has a little bit more control over that um, because there's not quite as many players on the team and, you know, he's not going to have to get rid of a bunch of them. So, right. uh, you know, if this has a minimal effect on, on Charlie Strong, I think it has virtually zero effect on Shaka Smart. Sure. Okay, Wes, thank you very much for coming on, especially tonight night of all nights. And we look forward to checking out burnorigination.com for all of the updates. And I'm sure there's going to be a ton this week. So thank you so much for coming on. Hey, thanks. I'm just hoping nobody gets fired next Tuesday. Go ahead and, <laughs> go ahead and break that streak for Texas. Yeah, that'd be nice. All right, guys, that was Westcott Eberts. You can find him on Twitter, SBN underscore Westcott W-E-S-C-O-T-T on Twitter. Go on Burnt Orange Nation to find all of his updates. Again, Wes, thanks very much. Thank you. All right, guys, stick around. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back. Once again, we want to thank Wes for coming on from Big Orange Big Orange Nation. Burt Orange Orange Nation. Burt Orange Nation is actually the new Arkansas, Texas. Uh, But, yeah, we want to thank him for coming on, explaining what's going on with Steve Patterson leaving. And I'm very upset that I was not able to ask him ahead of time about George W. Bush becoming the Texas AD. More think about it, dude. This could work. I'm in favor of it. This is the best idea I've came up with since I solved the college football playoff debate 20 <laughs> minutes ago. <laughs> You're just on a roll. Let me know if you get a third one. Like, I, I don't know. Anyway, all right. So you want to do our big, dumb, big, stupid, dumb thing? Big, stupid, dumb thing. Right. Last week, I really want to talk about how no one gives a shit. Or at least I don't care if male genitalia is in a band halftime show. In fact, I would prefer it because it would be a lot more entertaining. Hima. Also, better put on our new intro for the big stupid dumb thing. Are you stupid or something? What? You are so dumb. You are really dumb. For real. What an idiot. I award you no points. What? Oh, what a loser. And may God have mercy on your soul. Good. Good. More for me and you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, all right. That was great. I'm happy that this is a new thing. Anyway, like I was saying, K-State band, I don't care what they do. You're in college. Have fun. I don't care. Free emo. Yeah, whatever. Second thing was um, you probably shouldn't go and charge band members to come to your games. And... 
it turns out that's a really big, stupid, dumb thing because it probably helped you get you fired, Steve Patterson. <laughs> anyway, so, big, stupid, dumb thing of the week. We're going to disclaimer this because we I feel like we disclaimer this every week. We're some of the biggest Holgo apologists on the planet. Love you, Holgo. I legitimately like Holgerson, but I will say whenever he does something dumb, and telling the media... To not write about the red zone problems is dumb. Let's play the clip. About where we're going to be. It's hard to score touchdowns in the red zone. That's everybody's goal. In the red zone, don't panic. Make them kick a field goal. You know, if we're about 66%, it's going to be one of the national leaders. So, you know, last year we're at 42%. Um, I think we, we, we overall improved on it a little bit. Need to continue to get better at that, and it will be a point of focus. And if you and please quit talking about it so it won't become an issue. Deal? <laughs> All right, see you. You know how to make something a big deal? Tell the media not to make it a big deal. Like when you've watched us for two weeks in a row get to the red zone and just start combusting into flames and – no, okay, we okay. won if his goal yes. was to win Josh Lambert the Groza in the <laughs> second week of the season, we have succeeded. Dunzo. Check. <laughs> Checkbox. Yeah. Like I was saying, Durant, you know, a ball goes through his hands against Georgia Southern. Gibson should have gotten a touchdown pass against Liberty. I mean, and against Georgia Southern again, Holgerson goes for fourth and one, whatever he shouldn't have, because it was just I don't have a problem going for it there, and it's something I tweeted about during the Liberty game, is when we've gone into the eye in the entirety of Holgerson's tenure here, we have not passed out of it once. Every time he goes into that on a fourth or a third and fourth and short situation, he runs it and it has gotten stopped like every single It's always time. motion of the fullback yeah. to the rushing. Motion left to right yeah, and we run towards our right guard every time. I think we only have one eye formation play in our playbook. <laughs> the worst ask Matt is just really telegraphed. I didn't have a problem going for it on fourth and one there. The reason why I bring that up is just the fact that I mean, yes, you can say those dro- those two drops and that play call are outliers, but how many outliers do you need to be for them not to be outliers? But every once, you know, when you've been in the red zone, how many times? You know, right. And so, I mean, I I don't have a problem with the red zone thing yet, yet, but I do have a problem with telling the media to write about it. The Barbara Streisand effect really needs to be taught in Morgantown. If you are not, are you aware of this? Do you know what I'm talking about with this? Explain. Okay. I'm going to make sure I nail this, and I'm going to read off the Wikipedia page. Barbara Streisand effect is a phenomenon whereby an attempt to hide, remove, or censor a piece of information that is, has the unintended consequences of publicizing the information is usually facilitated by the internet. It is made famous by Barbara Streisand, who tried to suppress photographs of her residence in Malibu, and then her trying to suppress them inadvertently drew further public attention to it. So... So what I'm gathering here is the next time Holgerson has a press conference and they ask him about red zone, he should just pull out the Chewbacca defense. (laughs) I would actually be way better with that than saying, don't ask me about it because I just thought that was dumb and big and stupid. 
And that's why we're talking about yeah, it here. I, I, I just don't understand. Like, with your relationship with the media, why would you... Say, like, I don't think anybody's making a huge deal out of it now. But I tell you what, in the next 13 days that they're preparing for Maryland... That's all they're going to that's, Like, you better fucking go four for four in the first quarter in the red zone. And you heard me say four for four in the first quarter. God damn it. No. But... Like this, that's just dumb. That's dumb. It's big. It's big. And it's dumb. And that's our big dumb thing of the week. <laughs> Welcome to our new. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you listen to us? I yeah. All right. So you want to go through the Big Twelve real quick? Yeah. That's, that's kicking around the league. Peek around the league. <laughs> I hope I can cut that and just make it our thing every time. All right. So Big Twelve, we're on a bye week. Baylor's on a bye week. Kansas is on a bye week. Um, first game, Oklahoma is playing at nude against Tulsa at home. The line is 31. Cover. <laughs> Going with the over? Fair. <laughs> All right. Baker Mayfield, not bad. K-State hosts La Tech at 3 o'clock. Driscoll! Oh, yeah. Jeff Driscoll. The line is 9 for K-State. That's... That's about right. Yeah. I think they win by 10. Is that fair? Yeah, I can see it, but... I think Eubner is really good. Well, not really good. I think Eubner's fine. Eubner? Eubner? Whatever. Um, he's coming in and replacing Jesse Ertz. He was hurt. Like, Jesse Ertz was hurt the first game. He was going to be their starter. Or at least there's going to be, like, a quarterback, whatever the hell they were going to All Kansas was. State quarterbacks in my head are just interchangeable. Well, yeah, they're just big 6'5 white guys who, like... Just like they're okay they passing, run they and... run and yeah, they're it's exactly who both of them are. I think Hubner actually something like Hubner, I believe, like it was something like he wasn't even a quarterback, like he was just moved around in different positions throughout the roster, and now they just made him quarterback, and he like understands the system because he played in like every position, so he does like the offense inside now. How but... is Bill Snyder not the coach of the year every season of his life? I is he okay? If the I, we're definitely gonna take a huge like random digression right now. If the United States had a like legitimately trying United States men's national football team, who would be the coach? Is it Saban? I don't think you can send Saban into other countries. I think that's an act of actual. <laughs> He's war. actually not allowed to leave. Herbs. <laughs> Who would, would it be? Herbs. A, Bill Snyder would be great, though. Just imagine Bill Snyder, an American flag windbreaker. <laughs> Wearing a windbreaker from the, the last, like, the uh, the Vancouver Olympics. <laughs> it's just a, a few Olympics short. He actually has, like, a, a Lake Placid t-shirt. <laughs> okay. That's actually an interesting question. We should just make that an off-season thing. Who would coach the college version and who would coach the American one? Hmm. Dicka. 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 John Gruden. I don't know how I didn't think about that before. All right. Oklahoma State is hosting UTSA 330 in T-Boom Pickens Stadium. If a tree line. falls in a forest and yeah. is there to hear it, does it make Line is 24 and a half. Cover. Boom. Texas Tech is going to Fayetteville on ESPN2 at nine p- at 7 p.m. 
to play the very, very mad Arkansas Razor. Bert might eat Cliff Kingsbury. <laughs> I think. <laughs> it's, Bert uh, yeah. will, like, shoot his laser beam at Cliff Kingsbury like his Majin la- no, Buu did bird. in Dragon Ball Z, and it will turn Cliff Kingsbury into a piece of ham. And he'll eat I couldn't imagine two opposite, more opposite people than Cliff Kingsbury and Burt Bilobo. <laughs> Burt. Burt. Uh, I yeah. think, I don't think Burt. The line is 11 and a half. I think they'll win by 24. I don't think Burt will throw a pass in that game. They'll and... do the Florida offense against Georgia last year where they ran like 60 times. And like... win. Yeah. And on the off chance that somebody who likes Texas Tech is listening to that, this is going to make them really mad, but you can't stop the run. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. Arkansas is going to win by 21. Um, speaking of winning by 21, the 7.30 on Fox, Cal goes into Austin, Texas. The line is 7 for Cal. I, yeah. Yeah, I think they're going to blow the doors off, and people are going to be really, really mad in Austin. Like, it's going to get really bad in that stadium. And then W flies down on an eagle in half, at halftime and <laughs> he, just plants a flag. <laughs> Tower turns orange. He, like, does a halo dive. He, like, does, like, the parachute dive onto... He lands on Bevo. <laughs> <laughs> Rides him over to Big Bertha and starts banging on it, declaring him... <laughs> Like, just by default, the new AD. And Oil like, starts sprouting <laughs> out of 50-yard line. <laughs> and DKR. <laughs> and they magically come back to win. <laughs> <laughs> and Chaka Smart moves to K- UK. <laughs> something, something insane like that. But, okay, yeah. So, Cal's going to win. Cal's actually really, really good. And this is going to be ugly. This is not going to be good. Although... If Charlie Strong could win this game, it would probably be the biggest one he's had. It would be really big for them to win this game. They're not going to. How is Texas so bad? Mac Brown, dude. It's really bad. Anyway, alright. 8 p.m. Fox Sports. SMU goes to Fort Worth to play TCU. I think there's a game there. But I think it's going to be kind of similar to what happened with Baylor. Is SMU might get some scores early. Yeah, especially because, I mean, the attrition that's going on with TCU's defense. Do they have a linebacker on their roster I, right I mean, now that's healthy? Is I Gary mean, Patterson it's, it's Gary just Patterson. another shirtless yes. playing linebacker? <laughs> but I think SMU could score a couple times early in that game, but I think TCU eventually just runs away with it. There's no chance they cover the 37 and a half line. No, they won't cover like that. Like, they win by 14, I think. I can see anywhere from 14 to, you know, somewhere in the 14 to 21, 24 I think we can have a good game, though. <laughs> Lastly, and this is the one I think will be very interesting, 8 p.m. it aims on whatever ESPN channel they decide to put it on. Yoko. Iowa State. Oh, it's, it, it's not names. My apologies. Iowa State travels... To the glass bowl to play the Toledo Rockets coming off their big win against Arkansas. Sam B. Richardson, I don't know if they beat Toledo. I have no idea. I would... Also, Toledo is favored by eight. God. (laughs) I think they... I don't think they cover. I don't think they cover. I think they win by a field goal and Paul Rhodes is done. 
Yeah, you can't lose to Toledo. I think that's your. And you can't go and be an eight-point underdog to Toledo for one. Do they? Because that. If they lose to Toledo, do they fire Paul Rhodes? I don't. I think they give him the season. I think he's done enough there. But if you're losing to Toledo, you get beat pretty soundly by Iowa. I can't really see them beating anybody besides Kansas and. Maybe if they catch Texas Tech on an off day in conference play, yeah. I think you have to go away from Paul Rose. I know he's done a lot for the program there, but there's only so far you can go. I, don't know, I would I would say there could be something to the idea of you move away from Paul Rose, you just stay in house, and you take a risk and do Mark Mangino. Who else would you? What's better that you can get there really? Who's the head coach of Memphis? Fuentes, I think. Josh Fuentes is his name, yeah. I think. And that could be a good hire. I mean, you'd have to go somewhere but, major. I, there, it's risky if you go the Mangino route. He won, <laughs> he won a BCS game at yep. Kansas. Yeah. He, he, he's not a bad coach. I think he got a raw deal at Kansas. Uh, Bill Self was probably mad they were winning and, like, shadowly like executed him or something <laughs> yeah i mean I, I mean i think josh Fuente is definitely the, yeah, that's on your list that's an interesting call to make i mean matt tim, rule tim beckman's available <laughs> is kyle, kyle flood, flood could be kyle flood could come in for three games he's not doing anything <laughs> hang out what the hell is going on in piscataway Jeez. they've asked that for a long time that's a good point since the birth of college football, everyone's just like, what the hell's going on in Piscataway? All right. I think that's it, man. Yeah. Is there anything else you really want to talk about? I've got nothing. Mm. I'm out of good ideas. I tapped myself out today. Right. We'll be back here next week probably to preview Turtles. Turtles, yep. After they lose the USF. Is Randy Ansel going to get fired? I hope so. You hope so? <laughs> or you think so? I don't <laughs> <sighs> I don't like Randy. I mean, I kind of enjoy... I, I kind of enjoy watching Marilyn flounder yeah. in obscurity. I think they I get think a lot better this, higher, though. I after. think they would hire better than Randy Edsel, so maybe I want him to stay there. Yeah. I think they'd be smart to get rid of them. I think they would have been smart to not fire Rob Friedgen. I mean, they could probably replace Randy Edsel with the Natty Bow mascot. <laughs> and get a better overall performance than that. That's it, man. All right. I think that's pretty much it. We did pretty well on this. Um, Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. Uh, We'll be back after the bye week, and we'll preview Maryland, and hopefully we'll have a pretty sick guest, either from, like, someone that knows Maryland, I'm sure. Not us. Hashtag W for Texas. (laughs) Dude. This is not the worst idea. I think this could work. (laughs) Who's going to not pick up the phone? Whenever a former president is calling you. It's going to happen. He could politic the hell out of this whole thing. It's not like he, like, he ran a country. He could probably run the Texas. I mean, the GDP of America and the, like, the revenue. Athletic budget in Texas is about the same. about the same. Yeah. You just put all of your money, instead of it being the defense, like, uh, contractors, just put it into Charlie Strong. Let Shaka Smart do his thing. Invest in volleyball. Maybe even get a rifle team. Do they have a rifle team in Texas? They got to. It's Texas. I assume. It's Texas. It's Texas. That's it. All right. That's good.
Bye, buddy. Hope you found your dad. Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.